and welcome back to another episode of Mac and D. I am joined today, as always, by James Dua Lipa. How you doing today, Jimmy D? Uh, feeling like a musician, I guess. I, I like that we were keeping these nicknames rolling. Um, no, it is an exciting week- weekend of football, and you know, happy to to cover everything here. Yeah, you've been on vacation the last couple of days, so you've had some time to like marinate as well. So what were your immediate reactions, the initial impressions to the four games we had this weekend? I think my biggest one is this might have been the most crushing loss the Bills have had in a very long time. Uh, I, I mean, this was their year to beat the Chiefs and they just flat out didn't do it. Right. I, I mean, everything was was there for them to beat them. The Chiefs were having a down year. It was finally in Orchard Park and they still just fell short, you know daylight dollar short which i think was the big one um 49ers pass rush where is it where you know i I mean that was they got lucky that that it was the packers and and not someone else i guess because the packers just don't seem to know how to beat the 49ers but uh, i mean they really looked like they were going to rust their way out of the playoffs very quickly yeah, and that was my biggest takeaway, honestly, of the whole weekend was the 49ers are vulnerable. And I'm not just saying that because my team is about ready to play them, but if any team has built the blueprint to be, hey, we're a flawed team, but let's find a way in order to beat this juggernaut of a squad, it was the Packers this past weekend. Like they were literally one bad pass over the middle away from winning that game. Jordan Love was not fantastic, but did enough in order to make things happen. That young wide receiver core was just making plays all over the place. And then, yeah, the whole 49ers offense was just held in check by an average to maybe above average Packers defense. So it's it was very strange watching it go down. It really felt like the 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 like Miami Heat kind of thing where it's like, oh, you're a sleeping zombie up until the very last second. And then the Packers were going to strike, but then they just never did. And Jordan Love threw that crucial interception. So it was a wild one, an absolute wild one. Um, do you think do you think the Lions have any shot this upcoming weekend? Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit. I, you know, I gave them maybe 25, 30 percent chance, which is more than, you know, I'd say a, a puncher's chance that the issue being it is. Uh, you know, in Levi Stadium, I, I think the big thing that's helped in this playoffs is just how rowdy that Detroit crowd has been. Uh, you've said before they play better on the road, but I don't know when you have that big of a home field advantage, it's got to help quite a bit. But, uh, you know, maybe they play a little team of destiny thing going here. And, and again, if the Niners can't get a pass rush, I, I mean, golf, the, the Niners, um, their secondary is not their strength, right? Their, their secondary is good when guys are making terrible throws because Bose is in their face, but that hasn't really been the case for the past maybe month of the season. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where things get a little bit interesting is usually it's that 49ers pass rush that is just so relentless. And that's usually what ends up winning them games. But this past week, zero sacks for the San Francisco 49ers. Honestly, a jarring statistic given all the amazing names they have on that defensive front. And it it doesn't just go four deep. It goes another round. It goes to the second round of the depth chart where they can just keep throwing guys and guys and guys after you. I'm talking like Randy Gregory, who they got off the scrap heap. You know, they got Chase Young just kind of randomly in the middle of the season. And that's where I feel like the Packers were really able to establish themselves was in the trenches. We had Aaron Jones go over 100 yards this past week and that's where i get worried about my detroit lions awesome win 
And as you mentioned, that Detroit crowd was amazing. It, when you can hear the crowd actually coming through on the TV screen, one, that's sick. But two, that's also like, that's when you know it's like a big, big difference maker. Um, we're not going to have that this upcoming weekend. And then secondly, I, I think the story of the game beyond just like, hey, the Lions got the win was how beat up the Detroit Lions offensive line ended up getting. We saw Frank Ragnow literally just like, struggle through injuries he was basically on one leg for the entirety of the second half and then jonah jackson who a lot of people don't know because he wasn't like a high draft pick like frank ragnow or taylor decker or some of the other offensive linemen that we have he was not a high draft pick but basically he is our best offensive lineman at many many times maybe outside of panay sewell and he's likely going to be out for this game. It looks like he has an ACL injury that's going to be potentially lingering into next season. And we're not going to have him, which is just going to be so, so critical going against that San Francisco 49ers defensive front. But I think the one thing that Packers did help the Lions here is you have the blueprint. If you can run the ball, the Niners become a very beatable team, right? You're almost like flipping the script because the Niners always are the clock control, ram it down your throat team. That's kind of who the Lions have been trying to be under Dan Campbell. So I expect maybe 20 to 25 carries from Monty and, and another, you know, healthy workload for Jameer Gibbs as well. They're going to win this game, you know, I think just through hammering the rock and then some great play action passes over the middle between Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown, St. Brown, excuse me. And, and I, I think that's, that's how you have to do it. You want to shorten that game because I don't trust your defense to to stand up to the Niners. Kind of similar to the Packers. I think if you give them one too many possessions, they're going to find a way to score. So you're going to want to score early often and, and keep the other team off the field. Yeah, and that's where things I think are going to get a little bit rough is I don't know how open that middle of the field is going to be. Sam Laporta is obviously on one leg. Uh, we got the the casket of Zach Ertz, uh, most random signing. Also, talk about a ring chaser, waiting until literally the conference championship game to sign with somebody. I've never seen anything like it from a prominent player in the NFL. Um, so you got two guys that are just kind of like hampered, and you have an awesome, awesome middle of the field for the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, so they have very, very few weaknesses. And I feel like over the middle, whenever you have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, a guy who had two interceptions this past week, it's not going to be there. And that's what really scares me. I think the only things that are going to work is one, you already mentioned it, get David Montgomery 25 carries on this game because we're going to need it and have Jared Goff avoid going over the middle. I think the thing that was super clutch for us this past weekend was just those like 15 yard curls that Amon Ra was doing. They were open all day, every day. And I think that's where the only place that we're going to be able to maybe beat a few guys is like Charvarius Ward is a very good cornerback, most likely going to be an all pro this season, but he's not that good at being able to stick with wide receivers like Amon Ross. So I think that's the only thing that we can kind of potentially exploit when it comes to matchups. It's, it's going to be an exciting game. Or, I mean, it's tough to ask you because obviously you're more excited for the Lions Niners, but between Lions Niners and Chiefs Ravens, I guess, what do you think is maybe the best matchup? Because this, this Ravens Chiefs game is interesting, right? The Chiefs are starting to approach Patriots territory of eight straight AFC championship games. However, for the first time ever, it's not a home game, which it, it's almost like foreign to say that the Chiefs aren't playing a home AFC championship game. I, I wouldn't run, want to run into that buzzsaw of a Ravens team. But, you know, I also don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes in a championship game because he's proven time and again, like there's a reason these guys are always there, right? The best quarterbacks end up being the ones playing these last games of the season. Yeah. Uh, can I say one more thing about the the Chiefs or the Lions game just real quick? Um, 
we got to shout out Baker Mayfield for how good of a game he played this past weekend. Like, that's really easy for me to say after we beat him and everything. But wow, he was so impressive. Obviously, Sutton just like completely just died on a couple of passes to Mike Evans down the down the left and right hash. But there were some insane Baker Mayfield throws. He had obviously the interception early, which was 1000% not his fault. And then he had the game ceiling interception, which is what's going to be in everybody's mind at the end of the day. But 349 yards, three touchdowns, two pretty much meaningless interceptions. He had some dots to Trey Palmer. He had some dots to Kate Otten. He's making Kate Otten look like the second coming of Gronk. I, I could not believe how good he was. Just just literally lofting it into Kate Otten's hands. Shout out Baker Mayfield. I'm a doubter, but he is really, truly going to be a franchise guy for a team next year. That's why I, I, I mean the, the no the Buccaneers have to re-sign him right. There, there's no reason not. I mean he's he clearly just brought a swagger that that team needed when everyone and their uncle was saying how bad they were going to be with Tom Brady leaving. Yeah. Um, and then, I, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say he he had so many he just crazy throws right. If he, if he's throwing a heater to Mike Evans, like I I don't think anyone's going to touch that ball. He really just had the one bad throw that happened to be an interception to seal it. And to your point, that's going to be on everyone's mind. And it was a bad read. It was like, there was no excuse, right? He didn't see the guy, uh, you know, the defender. He just kind of lofted one a little too low to Godwin, maybe over the middle. And it was just too easy for a backer to grab. But man, they're not in that game without the way Baker played, right? Like you can't fault the guy too heavily because they, they don't make the playoffs. They don't even have a, you know, a prayer in that game without how well he had played the, the backstretch that season. Yeah, and it really goes to show like Todd Bowles is an above average coach in the NFL right now. Like he, before he was like, oh, yeah, maybe we let him go, you know, post Tom, post, you know, Super Bowl hangover, everything. But now he really feels like a floor raiser, kind of like a Mike Brabel, you know, really getting the most out of uh, guys that, you know, people weren't really expecting a whole lot out like Rashad White was awesome this year. Baker, obviously, we mentioned some of the wide receivers. And then uh, Levante David, dude, like that guy is timeless. Uh, he might end up end, ending up in the Hall of Fame with how well he's playing. He was the best defender in this game by far. And that's what the game there. Carlton Davis was playing well and uh, Vita Vea were playing well. So you really getting the most out of his guys. We're actually going to look back, I think, on Levante David's career. So I'm not going to miss a chance to shout out Levante David, right? I mean, just yeah. the amount of stats he's had over, what, 11, 12 seasons. I think it's going to creep up on you when it's time to vote for the Hall of Fame when you realize, oh, it's a guy with a Super Bowl ring, with a bunch of all pros, with just, I mean, just so many tackles, just an absolute stalwart on that defense for so many years. I, I'm with you. I think he's really making a case for Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I always will talk about Levante David. He's a guy who was ahead of his time. Whenever he was in community college, he was a safety. And then he transitioned to linebacker at Nebraska. And then he was not a high draft pick by any means, but he has been a Tampa Bay lifer. I am going to be very sad if he decides to go somewhere else. He's pretty much like at that end of the end of the rope, you know, just like doing these like one year deals, one year, 10 million, one year, 15 million dollar deals. But I hope he continues to stay with the Buccaneers because what a cool career. Uh, you brought up the Chiefs, uh, Bills. Honestly, I when you just brought up the statistic that the Chiefs have been in eight straight AFC championship games, that is Patriot, shocking. Patriots have been in eight. The Chiefs are in their fifth or sixth straight. Okay. Okay. So they're, they're approaching Pat's territory. Yeah. That's still so many, though. Like, if you're thinking about, like, this is, like, multiple iterations of Chiefs. Like, we're not even having the same players anymore. It's pretty much just Mahomes and Kelsey that had kind of been the stalwarts, and that doesn't even include, like, the Alex Smith time. So, kind of crazy that the Chiefs have been able to get this level of consistency. And uh, 
it was kind of two teams this past week where like we started really having a lot of doubts about them. Right. We had the Buffalo bills where mid season, they were in that swoon and we really never thought they would recover. And then the chiefs of people had a ton of doubts, myself included. I was like, you guys are struggling against the Raiders and the Broncos right now. Like, why do you think that you're still a Super Bowl contender? And here they are right back into the AFC championship game. I, I still find this Chiefs team very fun. I think it's very funny watching Mahomes try to eke out every little bit of value he can out of his receivers, which, as we've mentioned, includes Travis Kelsey recently. He's kind of been a liability with some of his drops. And so it's been very fun watching Mahomes try and level himself up enough in order to keep the team relevant. I think that this upcoming week is going to be such a struggle, though. I, this this Ravens team is so well equipped to match up against this Kansas City Chiefs team. Travis Kelsey, I feel like is going to get completely outclassed by Kyle Hamilton. That is going to be a disgusting matchup where it's a hobble Travis Kelsey versus a fresh legs Kyle Hamilton. And I, that's the matchup I'm going to be watching all game long just to see can, hey, maybe we get one last gasp effort out of the the, the old guard before we see a lot of changes in Kansas City and the receiving core. Sure. And I think the big thing too, like, like you said, the mashups here, right? So the, the best way to beat the chiefs and we saw it in the super bowl three years ago is get pressure with four guys. And that's what the Ravens do. They get pressure and they never blitz. You're, you're talking at most four guys coming at the quarterback. Okay. You got to stop Travis Kelsey. They have, they have the safety play to do that. They don't even have to waste a corner, right? Kyle Hamilton's absolutely the coverage safety that should be able to stick with them. Um, and, and then you got to stop the run game. And this is a defense that's, I would say, sneaky good against the run. I mean, they really shut down the the text, like the Texans didn't even move the ball against them after looking like world beaters uh, the week before. So it's going to be tough and it's going to be really hard to play there at MNT stadium. Um, so that this is definitely a legacy game for Mahomes. If he can eke it out, it'll be a lot like the, the Patriots in 2018 where just no one gave him a shot. And then you win that game and everyone just kind of goes, uh, yeah, no, Tom is the greatest, right? Everyone be kind of starting to go, okay, Pat, like, you know, when does that conversation actually take hold? Cause I know people are way too quick on it, but when, when you start winning as many, as early as he has the, he, he really gets lofted up and okay, is it Tom, then Pat, then Peyton Manning, or is it Tom Peyton or, um, Peyton Manning and Pat, you know what I mean? Like that, it's like that top three guys. Cause he's already just had so much success. So early. Yeah, Mahomes is already like a top 10 quarterback, but it's just like every time you try and get up another rung, you're talking about multiple accolades in order to get to nine and then to eight and then to seven because there's just so much uh, so much excellence at the top with the best quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, you brought up how good this Ravens defense is. The Texans had 38 rushing yards in the entire game last week, which some of that was game script for sure. Don't get me wrong. That second half really got away from them. But the whole first half, they were within a score. There was no reason for them to get away from running, and they were just bombarding them. That, that's the sneaky thing about the Chiefs whenever they go deep into the postseason. Something I've noticed is just they always have those underrated rushers that are able to just get them a nice 100 yards, something that's just like able to take a little bit of pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. It was it was Damian Williams before. It's been Jarek McKinnon in the past, and now it's Pacheco. And is Pacheco doing 100 yards against Roquan Smith? I don't think he's going to be able to. That defense is just so dang good for the Ravens. And then on the inverse of it, that Chiefs defense, I am very worried about what they're going to look like next week, especially if Willie Gay continues to be hampered. He, I don't think he played this past week, or he like had limited snaps. And he is such a good defensive run stopper. 
And they're going to need every bit of that against a Ravens offense that is clicking in the running game. We had Lamar Jackson go for over 100 rushing yards on the ground this past week and two touchdowns. Justice Hill was cooking. Gus Edwards was doing Gus bus things. Even Dallin Cook was getting in on the action a little bit. So I think if the if Willie Gay is not available, that this could honestly get kind of ugly kind of quickly if things aren't clicking for the Chiefs early on. Man, you know, at this point in the season, the team that can run the ball just seems to to win the games. It, it's like kind of twofold. It's it's a 50-50 battle between best quarterback seems to win and team that can run, uh, you know, most effectively seems to win. The way Lamar has played this season, I would say at, at this point in the season, not obviously, you know, if I had him in a vacuum, I'd take Pat. But, I mean, they're pretty equally matched just with how swaggy Lamar is right now. Uh, you know, and then you added the fact that they've got four running backs you have to account for. They have some very exotic run schemes that just power over people. They've got Patrick Richard, who's just an incredible, probably the second best fullback in the league. Maybe only the second fullback that you know of outside of Kyle Juszczyk. Um, But man, it's it's going to be tough to stop that run. And that's really, you know, where this Chiefs team struggles is stopping the run. You know, their defensive backs are much improved from what we talked maybe last week two or three years ago, it was like, okay, we got to throw the ball over these guys. It's going to be a 40 to 35 game. That's how you're going to beat the, the chiefs right now. I mean, if you just run the ball down their throat and keep the offense off the field, I think that the receivers will have enough drops that waste possessions for the chiefs that if you're just efficient with every possession, you can get the win. And the Ravens might be the most efficient with possessions uh, in the NFL this year. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't need 12, 13, 14 possessions to beat you. They really only need five or six in order to beat you. And it's one deep pass to Zay Flowers and then an Isaiah likely 30-yard touchdown. And then then things are getting really ugly really quickly. Uh yeah, you brought up the Chiefs wide receivers. I, I didn't watch the game live. I had to watch it on replay. I could not believe just how this like disease of just terrible Chiefs receivers just keeps seem seems to pass from guy to guy. This past week it was Mecole Hardman had like two carries for one yard, two fumbles, crucial drops, just was out there running cardio. It's like, how does this keep happening to Chiefs wide receivers? And like, at what point does Matt Nagy have to take some responsibility? At what point does Andy Reid have to take responsibility? And be like, we're not getting these guys prepared in the right way. It's it's honestly uncanny. I've never seen anything like it, where it's just like the worst stat line you've ever seen from a receiver. And then the very next week, another guy tops it. It's crazy. Well- that in the week before against the Dolphins, he had three or four drops himself. It's like that's the guy that has to catch everything, right? Like you can't be the one-two tandem that you are and have drops that are that bad. You know, it's not like contested drops. It's like taking the eye off the ball drops, just balls slipping straight through your hands type drops. Yeah. So we have the lines this upcoming week. I already looked at the lines. What are the lines in your mind for these two games? Let's start with Chiefs versus Ravens. Oh, the okay. Probably Ravens minus four and a half. Well done. It's minus four. Okay. And then what about Lions 49ers? Probably 49ers minus six and a half. Hater. Yeah, it's 49ers minus seven. Well done. Well done. I did this earlier this week with uh, our buddy Nick, and uh, I said three and a half for the Ravens game. So I was I was pretty much dead on. But I thought the Lions wanted to be a little bit closer. I said minus five, and it was minus seven. So I don't know. I, I get it. I mean, the, the talent disparity is huge. And like the, the Lions defense did not look good this week. We got we got gashed on the edges. We got gashed in the run game. But 
I don't know. I, it's just like when you got like all of America behind you, at some point that's got to count for something, you know? And so I'm very, very excited for this upcoming game. It's going to be before, an all-timer. Before we talk too much more about these matchups coming up, can we take a, mu- a minute? And, and you and I both are not big Josh Allen guys. Me, because he's in my conference. You, I, I don't know why. You just hate the guy. But that bomb he threw to Stefan Diggs might have been the most incredible throw I've seen since the Mahomes like upside down from the Super Bowl. I mean, he into the wind chucked at 65 air yards to Stefan Diggs, who then just did not catch the ball for what I mean, it was in the bread basket and, and Stefan's doing they're like, oh, it was so close. It was so close. It's like, dude, you're getting paid 20 plus million a year. You have to catch that ball. Yeah, he's uh he's definitely gonna be falling off some draft boards for next year, especially for me. As I've never been a big digs guy in Buffalo, but it's obviously burned me many a times. I I worry about what his future is gonna look like with the Buffalo Bills. There's obviously gonna be a lot of changes that they have in their wide receiver room. Actually, over their last 12 games, their leading receiver was Khalil Shakir, which is so random. Like the the guy who was in coming into the season wide receiver three was actually their best receiver. Uh, they, they need to take a, take a long, long look in the mirror and decide what they want to do going forward, because you can't be having Josh Allen years like that just spoiled because he's he's basically the same age as some of these other guys that are in their prime. And you're wasting good, good Josh Allen years, and it's going to get dirty pretty quickly. That pass was absolutely beautiful. And as you mentioned, going into the conditions that they had even better uh, to seeing the the zoom out that they had is like a pan out that they did of the pass. And it, you just saw it. There was there was no duckness to that pass. It was just a perfectly tight spiral. And it felt like Stefan Diggs almost just like lost it. Like he just kind of went up and was like, oh, I'm going to look like I'm going to make an effort for this catch and then just completely whiffed. So uh, shocking to say the least. And it kind of makes you wonder if like Gabe Davis was healthy, like that could have ended up being a big, big game changer for them in that game. Um, they, they'd really miss some of his smack talk and just like big playoff game attitude that he typically has. Yeah, they needed one more guy in this game and they just didn't have it. Um, you know, Sherfield put up an honest effort, but he's, he's not Gabe Davis. Um, yeah. Khalil Sh- Shakir. Is it Shakir? Shakir. Um, Shakir. Uh, I, I think he's kind of making a statement that, you know, he might really push himself into that number one or number two role. If I'm the bills, I'm trading digs for whatever I can get. I guess to rely on Gabe Davis being your your number one, Shakir being your number two, um, a lot more James Cook next year, and maybe a first round receiver this year. Uh, just try to figure something out. Yeah, they need the tight ends to be massive next year too, right? Like they got two awesome ones that you've invested a ton of money and a ton of draft picks into. You need to be passing that ball and doing some like they had that one pass that I think it was to James Cook, where it's just like this like exotic formation, a wild wild movement to the right, got that linebacker in personal hell. He didn't know where he was going, and then you just pass it out to the flat. Like that's the kind of stuff they need to be doing to not only protect Josh Allen from himself, but also just to use the other players that they have to the, the, the best of their abilities. So it's going to be an interesting off season. I think, I think a lot of Chiefs fans that I've seen, I've seen this take a few places. I think a lot of Chiefs fans are very happy that the Buffalo Bills ended up making the playoffs because that means another year of Sean McDermott. That means another year of just really milk toast offenses. And I think that's going to be kind of their downfall going into next year is like, Hey, we're just not being creative enough with the guys that we have. Yeah, do, do you think Sean McDermott is in fact not that guy? Like they're one of the teams that really should try to move on and, and hit this this head coaching carousel pretty hard. 
yeah honestly i think that the guys that are available specifically harbaugh and I, I, there's, there's no way this happens with belichick like they're better you know at least kick the tires a little bit and if you're not going to do that i'd say you go after someone that's just a little bit more interesting and has a little bit more juice to what they do on offense and honestly defense as well aj Epinesa, i think is a free agent this upcoming year you have some questions about like how ed oliver continues to fit in even though he had an awesome year this past year they, they gotta do something and the, the the most damning thing for me was where did von miller go dude he had like i don't think a single tackle for like four straight weeks i think he combined for like eight tackles over the last eight weeks it's bizarre man so i think i i don't mind mcdermott but he's starting to really get into that territory of like maybe you're a better coordinator than you are a head coach at this point yeah i think you can first of all find von miller in a prison or, or holding cell somewhere in texas maybe that's where he was instead of focusing on the playoffs right. but yeah I, I, I think you, you, you've got that defensive minded head coach with a team that's clearly trying to be led by a quarterback and a you know, pretty powerful offense. They had to fire their offensive coordinator this year. Like I, you, I think you have to take a hard look at it. It's crazy to say because they were the two seed, but is, is Sean McDermott really going to be the guy that leads you to the Super Bowl? And, and as long as Andy Reid's the coach of the chiefs, I think he's proven time and again, he's going to just dance on, on Sean McDermott, right? He's had a pretty, pretty well figured out since day one at this point. Yeah, um, and and really all the good quarterbacks kind of do is what it seems like. Uh, you know, they're great defense against some of the bad teams, but if if you can't hold a you know a playoff team to under thirty points, are you really going to win when you have a defensive minded team, not an offensive minded team? Yeah, and I think I think if anything's ever showed us like how easy it is to think, oh, we're right there. Let's just keep doing the same thing over and over and see what happens against a dynasty. Just look to the New York Jets in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Like, they thought they were good enough. We have Mark Sanchez. We have Rex Ryan. We have an aging defense. Let's just keep running it back. Let's just keep seeing what happens. We have a good enough quarterback and a good enough head coach. And then very, very, very quickly, the wheels fell off. We got the butt fumble. We got Geno Smith getting punched out in practice. We had a lot of things just kind of fall apart really, really quickly. So I think I think you got to look at that and see, hey, if we want to beat this Chiefs dynasty and not beat get beat by Patrick Mahomes every single year, we need to start doing something different and just maybe go get a Mike McDonald from the Baltimore Ravens or something like that. Something to just mix it up and try and have a prayer against this really strong team. So that's the way I feel at least. That's an awesome point though, because you could say the same thing about the Colts, right? The 2010s Colts tried to keep running it back with uh, with Pagano and, and locking it it wasn't happening obviously you don't get rid of luck but i mean just their team needed some juice and, and they couldn't find it you're talking any team in the afc west right now they they you know like the the raiders what they do they traded jimmy or they traded garoppolo gosh dang it they traded Carr for garoppolo like okay you're running basically the exact same team back and expecting a new result the broncos are they're trying to make some moves but they they invested way too much in russell wilson it didn't pan out you know at least they tried the, the chargers spent way too long with staley like Teams have to realize if it isn't working and you've got a, what's clearly a dynasty that is working, you, you've got to do something to, to jumpstart and get get out of your own way because otherwise you're just going to keep getting the same result. Yeah, and there's some teams where like that's good enough, right? Like, I don't know if you're if you're the Jaguars and you're just like happy about getting there every year, then like you keep rolling it with Doug Peterson, you know, if you're the 
trying to think of some other just like middling playoff teams. If you're the Texans, you know, you you roll it with D'Amico Ryans for a few years. You know, you just work on getting there to the next level. But if you're the Bills and you feel like you're on par, if not better than the Kansas City Chiefs, that is when you need to make action, even if you made it this far in the playoffs, because you got to do something different. You can't just keep losing like this every single year in, year out, because it's getting ugly. <laughs> you're really becoming the little brother really, really quickly. Okay, playoff prediction time. We did the lines. Time for the actual predictions. Starting with the AFC Championship game. I think this one is going to be dirty. It's going to be brutal. I think that the hype is going to be insane. You got Lamar versus Patrick Mahomes. Is that the true debate we should be having? Not this Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes crap. We should be talking about Lamar versus Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to be electric. I think it's going to be wild. But I think that ultimately the Baltimore Ravens win this game. Yep, not sure what else I can add to it. It really is going to be a battle of what I would say are the two best quarterbacks in the AFC right now. Um, it, it's what the NFL wants to happen, but at the end of the day, this Ravens team look out, right? And again, the Chiefs absolutely have a chance. I'd say they're similar to the Lions. They've got that 30% chance, but they've got to play a perfect game, and those receivers have not played a perfect game yet this year. That's what really worries me uh, about the Chiefs' opportunities here. I think the Ravens are just going to gonna kind of waltz their way into the super bowl yeah yeah that's what i see it's just, I, dude, this feels like the, the panthers that 15 and one panthers team that just i mean dog, dog walked everyone different beasts because you know some guys have to show up all of a sudden right but getting there it, it feels like this could be a lot like that came to the panthers team yeah agreed also how lucky are we how lucky am i with these matchups that we have in the nfc championship game the AFC championship game i obviously love my lions i i really enjoy this iteration of the chiefs and the ravens don't care for the 49ers but like hey three out of four eight freaking bad man so anything that ends up happening here i'm gonna be pretty dang happy with on the nfc side as much as i would like to go with my heart as much as I would love for the Detroit Lions to make a Super Bowl. Uh, the, the smart pick and the pick that I need to make ultimately is the San Francisco 49ers. As I'm, as we both mentioned, there's a possibility like a, a month ago, you would have said, Oh, this is a just, just demolition. Like it's, it's like whenever the Steelers would make the AFC championship game against the Patriots, you know, it's like, Oh, Hey, here's your participation trophy. We're going to win 35 to zero better luck next year i hope you get it back you know but now it feels like we have a puncher's chance there's an opportunity we got to get some breaks we got to start early this past week we didn't start early and we played a little bit better down the stretch we got to get we got to have those scripted plays ready to go i will be screaming my head off i will never be more elated to watch a big game from the detroit lions and it feels like we actually got a shot in it uh, I need an Amon Ra 200 yard game here. That that that's going to end up being the difference makers. Amon Ra, and then what the running backs look like. So, uh, but it, I, I think ultimately the 49ers have too much firepower. Yeah, uh, you know I'm I'm right there with you on this one. And, you know, not to try to add zero friction in this podcast, but I, it's not been a secret, right? I think in the NFC, my favorite teams this whole year have been the Packers and the Niners. Uh, love the Lions, though. So, like, no matter what happens on the NFC side, I'm happy. I, I like both these teams a lot. I like the coaching staffs. So I like a lot of the players. The EFC is my personal Armageddon. I hate it so much. The only way I would have been happy is if it was somehow, like, Texans versus, I guess, Dolphins. Even that. I, like, the Texans were the only team that could have made it that I've been like, all right, sweet. That's what I wanted yeah. to see. Maybe the Browns. If it was Texans-Browns somehow in this game, that would have been nice. But but we're not there, right? So, uh, I, I just hope for, for good games uh, on both sides. But I think the Niners are gonna, are gonna stick it to them. Maybe not stick it to them, but they're, they're gonna they're gonna win the game. I would say. And to your point exactly, if this was a month ago, I'd be like, 
the Lions are not even going to be competitive, but we've seen plenty of cracks in the armor for the 49ers, and we've seen the Lions step up big when they needed to. So I think it's going to be a lot more exciting than it would have been had this game been played maybe a month or two ago. Absolutely. And it feels like, too, I mean, after the Eagles fell apart, this really does feel like the four best teams in the NFL. So, like, that's always kind of a fun feeling. Like, as much as it is fun randomly to get, like, a Giants year or an Arizona Cardinals year, like, it's more fun in my mind when, like, the best teams from the regular season didn't just have a random injury that knocked them out, you know? Like, they actually ended up making it all the way. So, I feel very, very lucky for that. Um, I'm honored just to be here. I'm thrilled just to make an NFC Championship game in my mind. And I really feel like this is the start for something for the Lions rather than an ending. I think everybody kind of feels that way with how young our roster is. So I think that no matter what happens, it's going to be a great Sunday. So uh, lastly, we have our Super Bowl predictions. It's funny. It's funny that before the playoffs, I think I said like five times, like, oh, this this is going to be the wildest playoffs. You know, nobody knows who's good. One to seven. They're all the same team. Packers might be the best team in the FC. Who knows? And then we got both of us predicting one V one in the Super Bowl, and we're going to have a number one seed win it all. So I have the Ravens winning it tough with, honestly, it's going to be interesting with all the storylines that we have going down. We got the, the repeat of the Super Bowl from a decade ago, just like the crazy Brock Purdy versus Lamar Jackson stuff that's going to happen. Uh, the, the, the Nick Bosa, you know, like this is going to be his personal nightmare, you know, going against a black quarterback. He's not going to know how to act. It's going to be insane. I think it would be a super, super compelling Super Bowl. And ultimately, I just think the Ravens have a little bit more juice and have a little bit more going for them. They've beat 10 teams this year in the regular season that are above 500 NFL record. I saw that come up on the TV this past weekend. Shocking statistic. It's just so, so good. I think the Ravens got this one. I'm going to stick with the Niners. I, you know, I drafted them as my first team off the board back when we did our team draft there. I just like them more than the Ravens. Um, I, I do think that Ravens team is better, but I, I think in this Super Bowl rematch, maybe they, they got a little bit of a different wrinkle this time. They're a little bit more prepared. Uh, and I, I think Shanahan finally gets the monkey off his back and wins a damn Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, after that demolition on Christmas Day or like day after Christmas, whatever it was, they, they need to get a little juice going. So it's going to be compelling. Honestly, I any of the four matchups in the Super Bowl, I'm happy about because it's going to be a good ass game earmarked with usher between but that's okay it's gonna be a great great super bowl sunday all right we doing a way too early top five picks for the nfl draft i see so you got that right. schemed up okay okay so we haven't talked a ton about the nfl draft this year but we we were pretty damn good last year we know what we're talking about i feel like uh, on the clock we got the chicago bears with jimmy d who you feeling i i you can't earn yourself a top 10 pick back-to-back -back years and, and not do a hard introspection on needing to make some changes. The issue being, I, I hate what they're doing in the front office right now. Like you had to get rid of, um, oh my, Eberflus. There we go. I, I don't know why you're, like you're You're going to, I think they're going to grab Caleb Williams, but you're attaching a quarterback to a coach. That's kind of a milk toast one year placeholder coach. It's not great. Like that's the only reason I, they might stick with Fields again is because you're not going to tie the quarterback to the to the coach you have to fire, right? But I, I think if they're even a remotely sensible organization, which it feels like they are, uh, under under pace. Um, wait, I, I got that. It's Ryan Holes. Ryan not, Pace. Uh, Ryan Pace. Holes. Pace is the old guy that was terrible. It's Poles I can't now. remember. I know your time. I can picture yeah. his face. It's Ryan. It's Holes. It's Holes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, he's a little bit more reasonable. I think they go Caleb Williams one. 
Yeah, and I I waffled on this, I think, even on the pod back and forth many a times. And then I kind of put a firm, firm flag in the ground. I am very pro them taking Caleb Williams. It doesn't mean you got to start him immediately. You can happily just roll with Justin Fields, rehab his value a little bit, and then trade him down the road. You can play Justin Fields in a lot of different scenarios. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to play strictly quarterback. You can kind of do some Taysom Hill type stuff with him as well. And ultimately, you got to go for a franchise guy here. Like Justin Fields, I love him. I, I still think that he could be, with a change of scenery, somewhere awesome. He could end up being a very good quarterback still in the NFL. But I think at this point, you got to still go with the guy who is clearly the 101. And I also go Caleb Williams here. So then Commanders, I think they, uh, they're they not all the way sour on UNC quarterbacks, but they are sour on their current UNC quarterback. New coach, new regime. They're, they're going to grab their guy to build around. It's going to be Drake May. Yeah. The, the news cycle is going to go crazy with these top two guys. And I think we got to we gotta hold the ground, just like we did last year with CJ Stroud and, excuse me, and Bryce Young. We got to hold the ground with Caleb Williams and Drake May. One and two. That's the blueprint. That's the correct way this should go. Who do you have three? So Patriots have done absolutely no changes in their front office, right? The, the only thing is Belichick's not calling the final shot, but I, I think a lot of his theories are still going to be pretty strong here. And, and they've always been a team that drafts best player available, not necessarily draft for need. We need some quarterback juice in the system. We might try to go out into the you know free agency, maybe snipe a Baker Mayfield or something. But I, I think, you know, May, Marvin Harrison Jr. Falls, I, I think uh, Gerard May is going to understand, you know, why his predecessor, kind of fell out of uh out of luck here and I, and I think he's gonna go grab the best playmaker available and grab Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah I mean when Kendrick Bourne's kind of like your best guy mixed with a little bit of Pop Douglas it's like we gotta do something different. I, I, I don't mind the Marvin Harrison Jr. pick. I just think that they might end up striking out a little bit in free agency and you can't run it back with Mac Jones. I think that this guy is really falling just because of the national championship but I still love Michael Penix Jr. here. I'm going him three. Uh, Cardinals, I I think they, you know, Kyler proved something to me at the back end of this year. I, I think he's he's worth sticking to. They've they've publicly stated it, but they haven't done any moves that make you think, oh, they are trading Kyler. I think they stick with Kyler. I think they gave him some protection. Joe Altright, I think, is their guy at four. Yeah, I think this makes sense. He can kick DJ Humphrey somewhere else on the offensive line relatively pain-free i uh, got to keep kyler healthy i i went with the, the top receiver on the board though just to get them like a true alpha at wide receiver i like michael wilson fun draft pick from this past year i like hollywood obviously but they just have a lot of short guys that are just running around you need a true number one i went marvin harrison jr here if, if harrison's there at four they take him for sure but yeah. i'm still i'm holding out hope that maybe maybe the pats just do something crazy and get a julio type guy um chargers i i don't think they really need this top five pick i think marvin harrison's gonna be gone i think joe joe alt's gonna be gone right so there's no really need for them to stick in that top five i think they trade with atlanta atlanta moves up to get themselves a quarterback you like Penix? i think daniels has been making a pretty big splash i could see atlanta moving up you know they've got uh potentially bill belichick in the fold they want to get a new guy to really uh, unleash with those weapons and, and they make that trade to move up to the top five grab a qb yeah, I just don't see first round pick out of Jane Nails. I see like early second round pick, late first, you know, like Lamar Jackson range. Oh, sorry, cut out on my end. Uh, ultimately, I would have Malik Neighbors, though, for the Chargers. I feel like Keenan Allen's moving on after this offseason, so he's a logical replacement. Okay, well, we'll do probably a bazillion more of these, and you know, I will keep doing our, our own mock drafts that are really fun to do. But uh, uh, good, good pod overall. I hope you guys have a great week. See yeah. you